Welcome. <laughs> or <laughs> not. That <laughs> Start that music at the top. From the top, boys. Shouting to the uh, what the if what the if play play the what the if players what the if band. Ready, guys? Here we go. Welcome to what the if. The show where entire species can come and go within the within a single episode. Who knows? Matt, could you tell people what is this show that they accidentally hit play on in their podcast app? This is the show that destabilizes your reality. Whatever it is you <laughs> think you know about the universe around you is now... Uh, up for grabs so we'll we'll change something about the the world you know uh and then we'll run with it until um uh, we either get to utopia or destroy the universe <laughs> excellent and those are by the way the only two options those by the, the uh, guaranteed options, yeah. by the end of this program uh that will happen that is uh, professor matthew stanley of the new york university and uh how are things there uh down in Washington Square today. Uh, a little bit icy, but um, not too bad. All right. All right. Um, also with us from uh, another fine educational institution, a little bit more uptown and to the right, uh, <laughs> Rockefeller <laughs> University, um, we have uh, Gabby Panicia, virologist. How are you, Gabby? And how is uh, how's Rockefeller faring today? It's good. I'm not looking forward to walking on campus a little bit because it's kind of icy and uh, the paths are really slick. So I might <laughs> shit a little bit. Um, but <laughs> I'll wear my especially thicker boots so mm, I don't. Land that's on a my scientific butt, term, by the way. This is a family program, and uh, you just you meant that uh, you know. Yes, this right. is very you, scientific. Pe- look, sometimes that's just something you have to do. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I, I, uh, worked on a, um, documentary about, um, Gilda Radner once and somebody had a great, uh, um, Gilda Radner is a great comedian, um, from Saturday Night Live. And, um, those of you who remember her, remember her fondly, I'm sure if you don't look her up, but anyway, <laughs> she was a hilarious, uh, and a great clown as we would say. And, uh, somebody said, uh, her, her true gift was, um, that uh, she could fall on the ice and make it look like she did it on purpose. I thought mm-hmm. that was very funny. It sounds good. It sounds right. Um, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I wish I had that skill. <laughs> um, and uh, Gabby, you you bring the if you bring the if today. We're going to get to that in a second. Very exciting thought experiment we're going to explore as we do each week, um, and. Uh, before we do, though, I just want to mention that this show is brought to you by listeners like you. Uh, those of you who are members of uh, our Patreon community, Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com, Patreon dot com slash what the if. Um, I encourage you to go to that page and check it out. We have a membership program and we have all kinds of cool stuff, merch you can have. Um um, you'll get a monthly newsletter, which we'll soon start putting out because we just started this thing and, um, uh, all kinds of cool stuff. And we appreciate it. Uh, having more and more people join this, um, membership program really helps us and helps us grow the show, which I'd very much, uh, enjoy doing. Um, so thank you, by the way, we've had some new members. Thank you all to those of you who have joined and, uh, we'll get, I'll talk a little bit more about Patreon later, but, um, one thing, so these members that are coming along, um, Gabby, how um, how are we going to use the resources that they have um, donated to us today? Um, we're going to do something biological, uh, so you could just sort of set the stage for us, and then and then we'll hit the if. Uh, our, our Patreon supporters are supporting a rather rather dynamic experiment today. Um, 
that's in your field? A little, a little prelude. Yeah. Yeah. So we were we were chatting before the show a little bit, um, and basically about you know we're at a current stage of the pandemic. Which I guess if you're listening to this far in the future, we had something <laughs> called the global COVID-19 good. pandemic. Hopefully the uh, global memory <laughs> isn't that short. Um, and we're nearing a sort of lull point where, you know, cases are declining. We're not really sure if we have we will reach an endemic point anytime soon where essentially the virus is at low levels constantly, but is no longer spiking to huge levels that are overwhelming hospitals. Um, so there's a lot of optimistic uncertainty happening right now around viruses and about specifically about viruses going away yeah exactly uh matt were you about to say something no 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 just it was just you're just getting no circumstances getting getting excited getting excited getting geared up um now matt you are a double black belt in karate as i i I can never say often enough Uh, Mm um and that's just to keep the bullies away from us just to say hey I'm, i'm with this guy and I'm with Sensei. And uh, that'd be a fun t-shirt, actually. I'm with Sensei. Um, be a good t-shirt. <laughs> uh, it, before you, um, I don't know, do you call it the ring? Do you go into the karate ring? What is it? Uh, is uh, some the sort of dojo. The dojo. Before you go into the dojo for a match. Is it called a match? Mm-hmm. Um, could be. Yeah. Could be. Is there some sort of prep? Like, how do you get geared up? How do you warm up? For that, yeah, you take some deep breaths, stretch a little bit. Um, <laughs> uh, you you bow as you go onto the floor. That's probably the, ah. the thing you're looking for, right? Yeah, that's very nice. That's very nice. So let us all bow towards the mm-hmm. gods of uh, gods of if. And this week, we ask, what the if? All viruses. Everywhere. All of them. Even you, little ones. Vanished from the Earth. Perhaps the universe. How far will we go? Nobody knows. So, Gabby, did I was that a proper setup? Do you think for this thought experiment? Yeah, yeah, I think so. So, I want to delineate this a little bit though, because some people may be listening and being like, "Hey, Gabby, I remember when you first came (laughs) on. You guys did an episode like this." So, to kind of delineate a little bit, so that episode was more from the beginning of time. There were no viruses. Just imagine from there on. This is more. I think we were conceptualizing it as. Okay, from this point on, there are no more, or we've done some sort of effort to eradicate them because there are ways to do that. So what would our life look like moving forward from, say, this point in time if there was no more? Um, Not to say magically like they vanished from all of our scientific freezers, (laughs) um, but more like, you know, people weren't getting sick from them anymore. Yeah, yeah. And uh, by the way, that was a good catch, Gabby, that we've done this before. We pick an idea and we don't know. I honestly don't know sometimes whether we have or not because we've we've um, we've traveled down so many alternate parallel or you know alternate future pasts, etc. And um, usually we lay breadcrumbs down uh, so that we can find our way back to the main timeline, but uh, not always. You can hear all of our episodes on uh, our website, whattheif.com, by the way, or just using your podcast app right there. You can scroll back to all the previous episodes. Um, but yeah, so what if all the viruses disappear? So how um, is any is something like that? I don't want to. I was about to ask: Is it possible? Or is it not? But sort of for our experiment, it doesn't matter. We're going to explore that possibility. Um, so just even perhaps with a little bit of hand waving, so the, so we just kick off the the thought experiment. How might such a thing come to happen? That we get to this place. Well, so to maybe narrow our scope a little bit, so maybe see if this helps, uh, we can say like all Ah, human viruses, because we're going to run into talking about the same things if we talk about all viruses, where there's some that we just kind of need, like the viruses that infect the bacteria in our gut and help maintain proper, you know, Mm -hmm. gut microflora, whatever. Um, But let's just say all viruses that infect people. Um, So you may have heard about things like, you know, smallpox being eradicated, polio almost being eradicated, And so 
this is not like somebody's going out there with a boot and just squashing it. Um, or, you know, the people who get sick get better or something like that. These are the result of really, really huge efforts to vaccinate people um, all around the world. Um, and so vaccinating against smallpox essentially completely eradicated the prevalence of smallpox in the world. There's no smallpox. Well, there's smallpox in lab freezers in high, high containment like military facilities. But there's no smallpox currently infecting people anywhere in the world. It is essentially extinct. All right. So how right. do we – so the the how I think is important here because we know for like – for bacteria, we have things like antibiotics that will go in and kill the bacteria. So we can at least kind of imagine how that would be, right? We would mobilize huge amounts of these chemicals and go out and, and, and kill the individual bacteria even if it would take a long time. But we don't have something like that for viruses, right? We don't have a – um, something that kills viri on contact. So how do we go about getting rid of it if we can't do that directly? Yeah, so you're, I guess, a couple different ways you can do it is containment. Everyone who's lived through the pandemic would understand the word quarantine. Um, so essentially this means that, you know, if you have one sick person who magically comes down with smallpox, the only person in the world's suddenly like a deus ex machina of smallpox, they suddenly wake up and they have it. Um, you would contain that person as well as you can. I'm talking like basically in a box kind of thing to make sure that they don't spread it to anybody else. Yeah, we're, we're looking at and you, so small, Queen of England. When, Queen of England, who currently has COVID, <laughs> you know. She's now in a box. A very beautiful, I mean, it's probably the most beautiful box imaginable. But, uh, okay, so the, 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 the uh, Queen Elizabeth is in a box now, right? And how do we make sure she doesn't give it to anybody else? Yeah, so step one is essentially making sure that everyone taking care of that person is wearing appropriate protective equipment. Um, so something that would not allow any viral particles to enter their body. Uh, depending on the disease, this can be different levels of equipment. So for example, um, if it's something that's like really aerosolized and also very deadly, you'll probably see people in like, they sort of look like whole body inflatable sumo suits. <laughs> sure. Have you ever seen that Halloween costume? The one that's like of the sumo wrestler yet? Because... It's, it's called a positive pressure suit. The idea being if you get a hole in it, the air is going to flow out the hole um, and nothing else will come in the hole. So there won't be any viral particles able to come in there. Um, but, of course, the side effect is you kind of are inflatable, basically. <laughs> so um, I'm imagining guys, like wearing these, imagine oh. guys wearing these suits surrounding Queen Elizabeth. And then they've got those ridiculous hats. Excuse me. Uh, as an American, I think I can say so. Those ridiculous hats. The beef eaters wear those gigantic fur mm -hmm. hats. I don't know what they're called. But, uh, yeah, I'm imagining so a guy yeah, in a giant inflatable sumo suit with these beef eater hats surrounding Queen Elizabeth, who is in a jeweled box. Okay. All right, that sounds good. Yeah. yeah. Plus probably, you know, face ah, plates. Face. So they're wearing the big hat right. on top of, you know, the, the full containment for the face as well. <laughs> Um, the, so the thing about viruses though, is Matt's right, you know, we don't have antibiotics. Sometimes there are antivirals, um, which kind of interfere with the virus's replication and slow it down, but they don't kill it in the way that some antibiotics do. Antibiotics are basically poison, um, where antivirals just kind of slow down the virus, making more of itself as opposed to actively killing it. Because once the virus is inside a cell, it's basically synonymous with being your cell. It kind oh, of wow. becomes you, which is weird to think about. You can't you can't separate out the virus particles or, or the viral RNA from your own oh, RNA basically when it's in your body in, I in never a cell. Knew that. Wow, that's amazing. That's a really cool way to think of. I always knew the difference. Like I'm a, the doctor would say, uh, well, I'd say, can you give me antibiotics? And he'd say, well, it's a viral infection and makes no difference. And I never knew mm -hmm. why that was. So that that's particularly disturbing indeed, Gabby. Yes. All right. So once we've got, so we've I'm sorry. Go ahead, yeah. Gabby. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> oh, no, so if we've got uh, we've got the viruses isolated inside a person who's inside uh, the box, um, and no one's crossing this boundary, um, but the viruses are still there. So do we just wait for the person to die, and then the viruses die off too? So it's mm -hmm. one of two things: they could fight it off. So essentially, when your body fights off an infection, there's a couple things that are happening. Um, your body's essentially mounting an immune response, which is mm. a very complicated process. 
involving immune signaling inside cells to other cells. It involves specialized classes of cells, which will kill infected cells, or it's, it is a huge and very complicated mm. system. Uh, and I, it would take multiple episodes just to really cover it. Um, but basically, you can fight off an infection by killing viral particles, um, whether by inactivating them from antibodies, killing the cells that are infected so they can't make more viruses. Um, so it's possible that our quarantined Queen of England could, you know, fight off this hypothetical infection. Well, she, she actually has COVID. Yeah, right. <laughs> this <laughs> hypothetical if question. All right, so that's cool. So we can, so we can all, we can cheer on the people who who are hosting the viruses at the moment, um, and then rely on their immune systems to to kill it off. Um, and since the virus doesn't spread to anybody else, thanks to our really uh, efficient quarantine systems, uh, eventually that last virus will get consumed by a white blood cell at some point. Right? Okay. And then the last of that virus virus actually disappears from the earth. It no longer exists. Cool. Yeah. 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 So part of why vaccination efforts are really successful, especially if you're like smallpox and polio, is because you are essentially you are giving someone immunity without ever having seen the virus. So just in case they come into contact with someone who isn't inside of a glass box and is infected, then they don't pass that on to they don't get it themselves and they don't pass it on to anybody else. So right. my, nice. my question is, and, and I, I'm fascinated by this and always puzzled by it when, when they said we've eradicated smallpox. My gut reaction is, how do you know? How could you know that? Like the entire world. Um, and, and so is it? Uh, and, and the way it's spoken of, however, is is not like, well, good enough. Like we mostly gotten rid of it. It's like with such, which, with an unusual level of certainty, from scientists, they use the term eradicated. Um, and so I do ask, how does it? How do we know that? Or is it simply below some level, some statistical level? Or is it that if it cropped up, oh, it no, suddenly it's. It's eradicated. Yeah. So how do, is it that, well, if, if it's cropped up, it doesn't yeah. hide. It's like suddenly a whole, a ton of people would have it or how do, yeah. 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 If, if, so the thing about smallpox is it's really, really contagious. Uh, like it's like one of the most contagious viruses to ever oh, face wow. face of the earth. Um, so, and it's also pretty deadly. I think it's about 30% of people die uh, from smallpox and it leaves scars. Uh, so one, there's physical evidence of a person that would have smallpox right. scars. You could be like, hey, did you get a weird disease that gave you these scars? Um, if, you know, they were ever around a doctor. Um, two, it is extremely contagious. Um, so you would you would definitely see it pop up in a, in a community. Um, and it's one of these things, too, where, you know, as it was becoming less and less common, you could directly contact trace who had it, who got right. it. Um, so you could tell, you know, you could hem right. it in, kind right. of. Um, and it's one of these things where you think, oh, maybe there's some uncontacted tribe that still has it. But the problem is, no, if the thing about viruses is that they have to have a large enough population to kind of keep circulating back and forth mm. or elsewise they kill off all the people who would get it or the people who have gotten it then subsequently have immunity to it. So they can't be right. infected again. So if you've got a tribe of 200 people living in the Amazon and that's the only tribe of people there, they're completely uncontacted. That virus wouldn't be running amok. It'd probably fizzle out after. Okay. Uh, or, right. so the, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Well, go ahead. Go ahead, Matt. I was going to say, so getting rid of it is actually not, perhaps not quite as, um, it does not quite require the thoroughness we might imagine. That is, if we can get it down to below a certain level, it'll fizzle out on its own. Yeah, so you didn't have to vaccinate everybody on the face of the planet against smallpox. You only need to vaccinate essentially the people okay. who are at risk. And that still wound up being a huge amount of people. I mean, I am not saying this in any way to diminish the feat because it's a huge, huge, yeah. huge accomplishment. And it required bringing vaccines to places that, you know, were difficult to reach. I think a lot of it was a very mm-hmm. on-foot campaign. Um, but yeah, it doesn't mean that everybody on the face of the planet has to be vaccinated. So, for example, I don't think any of us are vaccinated no. against smallpox. <laughs> Um, because we don't have to be. Oh. It's eradicated. Um, so subsequently, if somebody let it loose, it's actually a really big problem. Oh, um, but that's more of a bioterrorism question right, than anything else. Right, right, right. It strikes me as it's like uh, somewhat like uh, Firewatch. Like 
um, you have a forest fire and you manage to get the forest fire down to virtually gone. Um, but if somebody keeps keeps watch and can see the entire forest where something pops up, if something pops up, if someone immediately goes there and crushes it, then you're not going to have a, a forest fire going. But then eventually somehow you can eliminate the entire uh, the possibility of something. Of course, you have you have to get rid of lightning and things like that. But um, so who's going yeah. who's going to be sad about this? Who's going to be sad that the um, the viruses are gone? Who weeps for the virus? Well, I mean, yeah, for me, yeah. I'm out of a job. <laughs> but I think it's it's kind of interesting, right? Because so I said that we eradicated all human viruses. Mm-hmm. That's the scope of this, right? Um, but animal yeah. viruses are still a thing. So I guess there's still a potential for okay. crossover back. Mm-hmm. Um, I assu- I'm assuming this is now, ba- you know, even though it's a hypothetical, people can still get infected with things, period. Yeah, right? that's right. We haven't changed the sort of fundamentals of um, of human virus interactions. We've just done a really good job um, getting rid of it. Okay. Um, okay, so we still need to be vigilant yeah. is what you're saying. Yeah, because if we are, say, you know, really, like, if all the viruses are gone because we've mounted the most incredible campaign vaccination campaign the universe has ever seen, we still have to worry about things cropping up that maybe we haven't vaccinated for. Or maybe we have to worry a little bit less because we've developed um, vaccines that might kind of be a little predictive almost, <laughs> cover maybe multiple different types of a spike protein for uh. something. Um, that maybe we haven't seen, but just in case. I was going to ask, is there, is there, um, it, it's a little bit of a science fiction idea still, I assume, but um, might we come up, might we somehow invent a vaccine or uh, might, uh, some other term for it, but that some, we could put something in our bodies that will automatically detect whatever we want um, without us having almost like a better, um, our white blood, it seems like, you know, we have a defense system that notice, it notices something strange coming in, it'll attack it, right? But obviously with uh, unpredictable, it's not a, not a foolproof system. Is it possible to have almost like, a, I don't know if this would be some sort of somewhat artificial intelligence or something or, you know, something in us that we could auto we always have this thing that basically adjusts to the shape it, it, it all comes down to the is that pretty much how this all works it's largely it's the shape of uh it's it's weird because you know there's some parts of your immune system that don't need to care right. about shape macrophages will just eat stuff right that's kind of the job antibodies do have to care about shape which is b cells right. more so well even um, the suit but Essentially, you're just throwing out, okay, maybe we have some hypothetical yes. nanobot system that's able to scan our body for viruses and kill them. Yeah. <laughs> Please. Not yeah, That would be amazing. No. Um, Unfortunately. Like, uh, would it be so much trouble if you could just invent a, <laughs> a nanobot system that kept us healthy? Right. <laughs> so it would, like, if, um, let's say if, uh, if we, let's imagine if we had some one of these things. Okay, so... Um, for instance, you were mentioning the spike protein. The, the um, it, if you could enter, oh, I know what it is. It's kind of like so. You know, we have like uh, we have uh, the Mars rovers are out there, right? And uh, if and they keep sending us pictures and other using other sensors about things that they see each day. Right. So if you had a nanobot inside you or, you know, a million of them, whatever, and they they had uh, they had Wi-Fi, you know, and so you could look on your watch, your Apple watch or whatever. And, um, you know, you get a little update from the nanobots periodically. Everything looks good here, you know, Uh, or we see we see something Um, with the Mars rovers, for instance, if the rover suddenly spots like, oh, there's a gigantic rock in front of me, and uh, if I keep going forward, I'm going to smash myself into it, and I'm not feeling like I need to do that today. What do you suggest? The uh, people back at NASA can uh, receive that image and say, ah, okay, and then they upload new instructions to the rover, right? Turn to the right. <laughs> um, 
you know, could we have something like that? Where basically, it's a programmable nanobot inside us that sends images or other data. It's like, okay, we got this little thing, and then you just say, okay, do that. What would we have to do to get that to work? Besides the communication part, skip the Wi-Fi. There is so, God, there's so much. Um, so for one, um, your the scale that your body operates at is extremely uh -huh. small. It is essentially very minute chemical interactions. So when you talk about things fitting other things like antibodies and stuff like that, you know, the the spaces that it's binding to are not huge in any sense. These are maybe like six to eight amino acids, maybe more, maybe like six to twelve or something like that. They're they're not big. Amino acids are not big. Um, so I mean, you're dealing with a very relatively small number of atoms contacting each other in just a specific yeah. way um, that currently our robotics absolutely cannot do. A small number do, of atoms. Um, because. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so far we can't shrink down complicated circuitry systems to and simplify them down to only a couple of wow. atoms. Like, um, Matt, you might know this. Isn't like the smallest, like, like the theoretical smallest transistor or something like that is, is. Four, four uh, or five nanometers, yeah, I think. Uh, I, I don't know, but... Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah th there's like a, th a theoretical limit to as far as you can shrink down certain right. components, and it is still way, way, way bigger than um, what is actually contacting right. everything else. So as far as a mechanical system, that's a little bit in improbable. Right. Some kind of mechanical system that... Ex that prints biological stuff maybe more yeah. so like some kind of nanobot That'd 3d cool. printer kind of dude yeah at least oh, yeah. conceivable right um Maybe something like that yeah yeah like so so there are these <laughs> things that we've we've been kicking around for therapeutics they're called nanobodies um they're antibodies but they're smaller and they actually come from what? llamas of all things so they're not they're not robots um, they're like truncated antibodies they're biological they're not right. they're not robots unless yeah they're biological llama hijack oh, antibodies. Oh, yeah. Where do I get these? Um, which I, I'm still tremendously amused that they get that they're harvested from llamas. I do think some of the people who are working, they they actually have to have oh, yeah. llamas in order to <laughs> get some of these, or at least in the beginning they did. Um, they, there might be more synthetic systems now. Um, so essentially, you could, because they're smaller, they still work the same, they still bind or whatever. Um, they might not be recognized the same way by people, but let's just say we've okay. discovered a patch. A for patch, that. yeah. <laughs> um, so in theory, maybe you could have some tiny little robot that three D prints nanobodies, essentially antibodies, um, to specific pathogens after discovering some sort mm -hmm. of way to bind them. The uh, the vaccine is essentially uh. Tell me if, if, if I'm getting this right. The vaccine basically is you are able to, basically they study, step one, get, um, get copies of the virus into the lab, look at the virus, understand it. It's, if we're talking about the spike, uh, the COVID, developing a COVID vaccine, um, understand uh, the shape of the virus and then come up with a way to um, basically create something that is code you can put back into your body that allows your body to manufacture um, something that uh, it was a, it's a, you said basically it's like almost a, a fake spike. Is that correct? That that allows the antibodies to attack it? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, let me see if I can do a pretty condensed job of explaining this. So when there's a new virus, so for the most part now we examine it a couple of ways right. through electron microscopy, which is physically looking at it. They're very, very small, so you can't look at them under a microscope. Um, you need to bombard them with electrons. It's a diff different process, but you essentially get photos out. That's how we got those nice photos of that sphere with a nice spiky, mm -hmm. you know, protrusions on the outside of it. Yeah. Then we also currently sequence it. We look at its genetic code. Um, so we can tell that there are little spiky things on it. Um, but by sequencing its gen its you know genome whatever we can figure out well what's coding for those spiky things what's the spiky thing actually made of so this is when we determine the protein composition of the spike from those things we can develop um, at least in modern 
the more modern method, especially with RNA vaccines, um, is essentially re-encoding that spike protein, that thing that makes the um, protrusion on the outside of the virus. Um, and there was some slight modification that we did to it just to make it more stable, um, to essentially guarantee that your body would be able to see it and develop a response against it. This doesn't always work for every virus, but it works really great for the coronaviruses. So that thing that's injected, the the vaccine that's injected is just genetic code. Is that right? It's it's not actual. You're not being injected with spike. For an mRNA vaccine. Right. So you could do a protein vaccine, which actually would just have spike in uh, it. Uh-huh. Um, I think the U.S. Army recently came up with an interesting one, which is like, it, it's imagine like a soccer ball, except on each one of the soccer ball hexagons is like a different, slightly different spike. Um, the idea being that they wanted to make like a pan coronavirus oh, wow. vaccine. Okay. Like a Swiss army knife. <laughs> yeah, it's like a Swiss army knife. And so the idea being, oh, you'd develop antibodies against like each different like spike on that soccer ball. Um, so then you have a plethora of different antibodies. So people do some funky things. Um, there's also, just to give you a proper overview of like more types of vaccines, like I said, mRNA is very new. You can get heat inactivated virus, or essentially you take a virus, boil it a little bit so it's dead and then give that cocktail to people. There's live attenuated. So for example, the yellow fever vaccine is an actual live vaccine. There is virus in it. Um, however, it's not able to infect you really as well until your body's able to crush it. And then you get antibodies against it the same way. So it works against, you know, real evil yellow fever. That's a little anthropomorphic, but still. Um, polio vaccine is... The polio vaccine is also... Uh, or at least one of the versions is also live attenuated. Um, which is why if you hear things that, um, like about polio cases cropping up, like they're, they're rare ones where actually they do get polio from the vaccine. Um, because I, one of the cool things I learned about the polio vaccine is, um, it's, it's a great, fantastic vaccine. Um, and at least usually in most people at some point in the process of your body fighting it off, the virus will become normal polio again, but because you've gotten such a head start on it, you're able to crush it. So congrats, if you've gotten a polio vaccine, you've probably beaten actual regular polio, too. You know. That's reassuring. Oh, that's wild. Yeah. That's wild. So the, the one advantage of having, let's say, a nanobot uh, inside you that can do whatever it needs to do um, to attack a, a virus if you, you become infected is the speed of delivering um, a vaccine to people. In other words, right now, like all these methods are incredible. Uh, we've seen the inc- right, un- unprecedented speed in which we've been able to, even this, even though it's been a long and difficult two years, and and, and we're still not done by any means. But uh, the speed with which a vaccine could be manufactured and delivered to people um, around the world, um, some places better than others, uh, has been incredible. So if everyone had it, it's the one thing we could do is with with a flip of a switch, suddenly everyone is basically got vaccine inside their body. Like, oh, we just detected something. So that would be kind of amazing, wouldn't it? I mean, you uh, let's put aside the the I don't even know what what you call it the civil rights. <laughs> you know, there'd be a lot of debates about the anti-vaxxers. Right? Should we? Right? You'd have to. I don't want these nanobots inside me, and I. I agree. We sh- they should be tested by uh, Underwriters Laboratory or FDA or whoever <laughs> before we, we put <laughs> nanobots inside our bodies. But um, um, nonetheless, uh, would that be a way? This is a huge amount of hand waving, right? Is to say, okay, we have this sort of automatic defense system inside us. Um, however, Gabby, would that be a way to accomplish this goal that we were talking about, where viruses, as soon as a virus crops up, boom, it's it's knocked out wherever it is in the world, as well as the database, the amount of data you would get, I think this would actually be a positive, a really cool scientific thing. It's the insane amount of data you'd be getting by having monitors, you know, uh, inside every person, um, looking at all the different things that evolve, right? Um, Yeah, I mean, so the... I would say that one thing is that, you know, some diseases have wildlife reservoirs. Uh, um, so, yes, you could stop any human disease, but it might be circulating in a way that, you know, is, is does not 
require humans in the transmission chain. So, for example, West Nile virus, which is, you know, my home base, that's what I study. Um, it's actually transmitted um, bird, mosquito, bird, mosquito. Um, so a mosquito feeds on an infected bird, infects the bird. Another mosquito comes, bites the bird, picks up the virus. The mosquito gets infected. Um, so humans are only infected by accident. Um, similarly, there's some other viruses that you probably would have heard about and that, you know, are also, you know, they have transmission genes that don't include us except for accidentally when it does. Um, so these are the swine strains of flu or the avian strains of flu. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so therefore we'd have to go, we'd have to, you know, we need people out there putting the, injecting the nanobots into animal populations as well. That would be a heck of a job. Um, and what could possibly go wrong there? I think that's, mm -hmm. you know, nothing, nothing. Um, Matt, you were going to yeah, say that. So, I was gonna say, so if I was a supervillain and I wanted to um, build up some viruses for my bioweapon that I'm going to use to blackmail the Earth, um, uh, the animal reservoirs is the place to do it, right? So I should, I should, I should create an island of llamas where I'm going to breed my, my viruses. <laughs> Well, I would argue that given this weird nanobot, this weird machine printing system, the easiest way that you would mess with it is put in something that makes you make an antibody against a self protein. Hmm. So the oh. human immune system has a lot of stuff for recognizing self from non-self. Basically, this thing is not me. Get it the hell out. Um, and that's very important. Um, but if you have some machine that's just sort of recognizing foreign things and developing an antibody against it, um, you know, then you're going to run into problems where it might accidentally print an antibody that also attacks some part of yourself. Um, this is not unheard of mm. in biology. Um, it's part of why strep is so dangerous. Huh. Uh, like you should take antibodies if you just have a strep throat because, um, eventually I think your body will make an antibody that also will bind to cardiac myosin. Um, it will brick your heart, oh. basically. So, yeah, and so, again, this is a, viruses have a way of messing with um, human immune systems, um, etc. So, for example, uh, Epstein-Barr virus, which is a virus that all of us basically just have, it's almost, it's generally pretty benign unless you, for some reason, didn't get infected with it as a kid, um, in which case, when you get it as a young adult, you get mono and you're bricked um, for a significant <laughs> chunk of time. Uh, it was recently found out that you know, it seems to be a pretty heavy correlative for development of MS. Um, so multiple sclerosis, which is an autoimmune disease, at least as far as I'm mm -hmm. aware, it's classified as autoimmune, um, is probably kickstarted. You know, I'm sure there's some genetic factor background, but it's probably kickstarted by getting infected by a certain virus. Um, so I think there's definitely some room for evil supervillainry. <laughs> by the way, by the way, you brick. You bricked my heart is my favorite Willie Nelson song, very very country music <laughs> song. You bricked, you bricked my heart. Um, and uh, by the way, I, I think I love your the um, the fact that Matt, you would have in your evil evil lair would essentially mm -hmm. be hidden, beautifully disguised by having by basically being a massive llama farm. Nobody would suspect. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm Nobody even having trouble right now imagining that there would be an evil person there with just lots of llamas running around. Well, I should say llamas are not the the cuddliest critters around, too. Oh, is that I've, right? I have I have been assaulted by llamas myself. Um, what? So oh, tell it, tell I'm gonna have to I'm story. gonna have to have my minions around this. Um, well, let's see here. Uh, I was in Ecuador on my way back from the Galapagos, um, and. Uh, <laughs> Uh, we had a layover outside Quito, um, and we had several hours, and someone told me that there was an old pirate castle on top of a nearby hill, so I went to explore it, as I do. Um, oh, yes, you bet. And uh, as I was trying to find the, the entrance to the pirate castle, uh, which I should say actually turned out to be a series of pirate tunnels, not a castle per se. I think there might have been a translation issue here. <laughs> Um, there was, there was a, uh, a fenced off area that I was, that I had to climb through. Um, and it so happened that a, a pair of llamas owned that fenced off area. Oh, 
<laughs> and they did not appreciate my intrusion um, and uh, um, came after me. Um, so I had to make a run for it, being chased by llamas. Um, I've <laughs> How got many a picture llamas? of this somewhere. It was a pair. Um, How did you get a? Did you did you take the picture? No, no, it was taken by a student of mine who was um, who was accompanying me. I'll try to track it down, and we can put it on the um, the website. That's all. All to say. I am not personally organizing the llama virus colony. Um, other people will have to be involved. You're students. You're students. I'm just imagining that you're evil. <laughs> no. Yeah, easily. I'm just imagining your your supervillain there has the best gift shop. Oh, I should hope so. Like yeah. you know, all the isn't like llama wool or no <laughs> alpaca wool. Never mind. Which is fine. Yeah. Oh, uh, <laughs> the the fact that there are photos. You know, as the kids say, Matt. What is it? Pixar, mm -hmm. it didn't happen. Pixar, it didn't happen. Yeah, this definitely this happened. Isn't, yeah. I, I just love that your students were like, their reaction was, <laughs> take a photo, not rescue professor. Oh, you know? definitely not. No. Just, um, yeah. <laughs> well, what's one what's one grad student going to do against a llama? Or two exactly. llamas? You need at least two grad students. Plus, they were like, I don't know. If you got to do man-on-man -man defense for llamas. You can't do zone defense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if there's one thing I've learned. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, also, was this in the age of Instagram or Facebook? Because uh, yes, indeed, it was. This was this oh. was just a few years ago. Yeah. <clears throat> and did they did they post it? Oh yes, yeah, that's out there. Yeah, I, I don't know if uh, <laughs> a social media search for Matt Stanley llama attack will turn up what you're looking for or not, but it's worth a shot. Yeah, it's always good. That's always good. by the way. Yeah, I'm going to add that to my vanity vanity search uh, list. You know, because not. You know, occasionally you have to, you just, we all have done it, I'm sure, once, right? A day. Yeah, you got to mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> search your own name. So, yeah, I'm going to search, also, I'm going to search for Philip Jane Llama. We, Gabby, you should search for Gabby uh, Panizia Llama Attack and let's just see uh, what happens. <laughs> see what happens. See what yeah. Up. Mm -hmm. yeah, that's that's fantastic. Um, I may need to add that to our Patreon rewards. So maybe like a Llama Defense. Oh, a copy kit. of that picture? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Oh, or just. Maybe, yeah, maybe if you, you know, at the, the highest level possible, like, you know, at the million dollar a month level, we'll have maybe a signed, a signed photograph of, uh, signed. Oh, we're not, we're not going to turn it into a sticker? Oh, there we go. See? <laughs> Definitely. That is a good sticker. Now we're thinking. That's fantastic. Yeah. Now we're thinking. Um, well, this has been fantastic. Uh, I, I must say the, uh, the ingenuity that has shown itself in this episode is, uh, is impressive. Um, Gabby, by the way, I must say, um, the amount of things I have learned in this past, just in this past 45 minutes is astounding. Like, so awesome. Thank you for all that. Um, and Matt, you know, the traveling safety tips also much appreciated. Um, uh, final, uh, final thoughts, um, Gabby, maybe would we uh, imagine this world where um viruses hey there's nanobots everywhere so feeding you a ton of information that i feel like might save your job perhaps actually even in a big way but viruses never get a chance to um expand past an incredibly small number of people infecting them uh, how does that make you feel being in this world well i mean actually pretty good <laughs> i mean disease is a obviously i mean i mean feel like this is going to be a stupid statement disease is a huge problem <laughs> um, not to be an oversimplification uh but you know i mean it's a thing that we've especially witnessed in this past year um infection can sometimes have extremely long-term consequences for people um there are people suffering with long covid much the same as you know people suffered from paralytic polio and i'm sure that we're going actually i think we're dealing with probably more people who are going to be suffering long-term consequences from covid than from polio wow. um just numerically um yeah it was something like less than one percent of people got paralyzed from polio and it's estimated sometime between like i think it's probably around a similar number of people who have covid have long covid mm. um wow. so yeah i don't think it's going to be a, I, I think we're looking at a, a if we're looking at a future where suddenly there are no more viruses, then we're looking at a future with a lot less disease, a lot less chronic disease, mm. 
um, which I think is actually yeah, pretty great. But Indeed. you know, I'm not exactly fearing for my job security just yet because it takes a lot of a lot of technology to go into those hypothetical nanobots. So I think my job is safe. For yeah, now. for sure. Actually, right. That's a very good research project. Um, Matt, how do you feel being in this uh, this world? Unusually optimistic um, for us. Yeah, I think that's probably right. I'm I'm, I'm feeling um, I'm feeling pretty good. Not just because we've actually eliminated the viruses, but uh, although that is awesome, um, but that suggests a level of future capability um, that we uh, can, if we, with those sorts of tools that we've developed, we should be able to do all sorts of really cool things um, in the future. Um, so it's a nice kind of gateway to uh, a happier future of biotechnology. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and, uh, you know, and fortunately, as with all technologies, it all depends on whose hands it's in. So, um, I know we have a lot of science fiction uh, writers in our audience, uh, some aspiring, some published, some very, very, very published. Um, so uh, if you're one of those and you're listening, uh, send us some ideas. What, what do you think um, might, uh, what are possible uh, avenues, what are possible outcomes of this uh, scenario? I'd love to hear that. Uh, you can just, uh, easiest way to contact us, frankly, go to whattheif.com. And uh, you can hit contact and send us a, thing, uh, a message right there. That's what uh, a lot of people seem to do. And it's and I really appreciate it. Also, I love to know, if you've never contacted us, I love to know where our listeners are. Our listeners are far, far, far flung. There's one continent we haven't heard from, and that's Antarctica. And I know mm, you're listening, folks. So um, um, that would be, uh, uh, if you're listening from Antarctica, let us know. Um, Matt, anything you'd like to plug coming up? Oh, um, no, I don't, I don't think I do have anything exciting coming up. No. All right. Matt is unplugged. Gabby, huh? anything you'd like mm -hmm. to plug? Uh, yeah, something from a little bit ago. Um, Phil mentioned all of our uh, aspiring and also established sci-fi writers in the audience. Um, I also occasionally write. Um, I wrote a, uh, well, I write sometimes fantasy, sci-fi, horror, um, that whole blend of pulp and genre fiction. Um, and so if you're ever curious about my work, one of my pieces from college was recently published on the website Grim and Gilded. Oh, no um, basically exactly how it's spelled, G-R-I-M-A-N-D-G-I-L-D-E-D.com. Um, it's under a short story, Hotel Yig. Um, obviously, warnings for the fact that this is a story with a lot of body mm -hmm. horror, um, because I wrote it as Hotel California meets There Will Come Soft Rains. No, um, so <laughs> that's a good combo. It's supposed that, to be a little freaky. <laughs> Um, and it comes with its own so soundtrack. Hopefully you enjoy its own theme song, at least. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was funny. We, we read the story, There Will Come Soft Rains, uh, in one of my classes in college. And then I was walking to that class thinking about the story because we were going to have to discuss it when Hotel California came on in my playlist. And then I got hit with like a right hook of inspiration. I went, oh, OK, I'm going to have to write that. That is fantastic. Oh, that's very exciting. That's great. That's very right, yeah, cool. I'll, very cool. That's yeah. Definitely spread the give, word Give about the that. link again. Grim and Gilded. Dot com. Dot com. Yep. And then it's under issue one, um, short story, Hotel Yig. It's the first one on the list of short Fantastic. stories. Fantastic. We'll put that link on our website as well. Uh, in fact, I'll put that also in the description. Um, if you, again, if you're, you're listening to us right now on your podcast app, just look in the description, you'll see that link there as well. So very exciting. Congratulations, Gabby. Uh, is, that your, is that your first published work or might people find other no no no, no. Yeah. I, I have some stuff from college and uh some other short stuff poetry i think i'm trying to actually publish my short fiction and it's I, i'm at a, like a weird point because i can publish easily if they're not paying me but trying to get in a paying mm -hmm. market yes, takes, tough. Yeah. you know some extra some extra work so we shall see yeah yeah very cool all right um well that's congratulations awesome. that's really great yeah yeah thanks super cool um and uh um if you're listening if you enjoyed this show uh, patreon.com slash what the if I'll just mention it again a fantastic membership program um, and uh, by the way if you go to patreon.com slash what the if and uh, you have some ideas for rewards you think would be really cool or other things you know things you'd like to hear about he's like hey I'm joining at the newsletter level and uh, it'd be cool if maybe uh, each month you include this kind of thing I'd love to hear your for instance um, um one thing I'm looking forward to is actually uh, Matt and Gabby is I think uh, each month we might offer a, a, like a book recommendation, for instance, or something like that. 
mm-hmm. um, for our Patreon listeners only. Um, other things I'm working on, it's not quite there yet, but uh, coming, I think uh, it'll be fun to have um, maybe a little bonus um, uh, bonus interviews with other people or just extended episodes of our show, that kind of thing. What do you, if you, right. are you a Patreon member? Okay. Uh, yeah, if you're a Patreon member, if you support other podcasts on Patreon. Anyway, basically I'm new to this whole thing, so I'm interested in, and all kinds of ideas. And I thank all of you um, who have joined, especially I want to welcome uh, Holly, who joined us uh, just recently. Another Patreon member jumps aboard. And a uh, quick shout out to Don and Ken and uh, Will and other people who are also already Patreon members. We salute you. And we know that you will be joining us in our closing ritual, which brings us all together. Fire up your nanobots. Tell them all to sing the same tune. Um, it, it, first, we'll sing a rendition. We'll gather around. We'll, we'll have a pint. And uh, we'll sing a round of uh, Br- You Bricked My Heart. And then, uh, Matt, could you describe our closing ritual as we wrap up the show today? Well, the closing ritual is what we have to do when we realize that we are the last surviving virus on the planet (laughs) and we see the nanobots round the corner and start heading towards us and we realize that we're not in the timeline where it's best to be the virus and the nanobots close in on us and we scream what Nanobots of the world unite. We have nothing to lose but our Wi-Fi connection. Thank you all. Thank you, Patreon members. Thank you, civilians. We'll see you all next week.